Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Tomorrow is Canada's Thanksgiving. I trust that God will really bless you and that you will truly have a day that you can give thanks to Him for His grace and for His glory and for His presence and the help that He gives each day in your life. Today our scripture is from John chapter 10, verses 25 through 27. Jesus is speaking. I told you, and ye believe not, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Did you hear that last part of the verse? His sheep, those who are believers in Christ, they hear his voice, they know him, and they follow him. Have you heard his voice today? Have you spent time in prayer and in God's word? Has he spoken to you? Do you know the Lord Jesus in an intimate way? Are you walking with him? Are you sensing his presence? Are you doing his will each day? And then the last thing is, are you following? Are you obedient to what God tells you to do? And if you do those things, you're doing God's will, and God will bless you and use you in a mighty way. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today in our studio, we have Jennifer Mays, who is one of our missionaries in Honduras, and she has been sharing with us about her plans for the future. But today, I would like to ask her about some of the people that she has impacted with her ministry. Sometimes we have good outcomes and sometimes not. Why don't you share with us what the Lord has put on your heart? Well, 
as you know, there are a lot of needs in Honduras. It's a very poverty-stricken area. And because of that, there's a lot of gang activity. There is a lot of um, immoral activity that happens on a daily basis. And so one of the reasons why we are there is to try to make an impact for the kingdom of Christ and help bring those children and those families out of those situations. But as you just mentioned, there are definitely times when that doesn't happen successfully. And so uh, even just this week, while I've been on furlough, I got an email from the church and the, the pastor's wife shared that one of our kids was arrested um, for, for robbery and was in the local prison. And so his grandmother had come to the church and asked for help. And so, of course, that's what we did is helped. And we provided some food and some clothing that he needed to, to have in jail because down there, they don't get anything. It's not like here in the prison system where they have TV and workout rooms and all of that. Down there, they don't even have food to eat. If they're going to eat, then the family members need to bring them that food. And so we sent some provisions with the grandmother to help that, that boy, even though he was in a difficult situation. Yes, that brings up another issue. We were talking about how a lot of Honduran kids are coming across the U.S. border and flooding into our immigration system in the U.S. Could you tell us about these situations and why these families would want their kids to make that dangerous trek to the U.S.? Well, as, as I've heard several people talking about here in the States, there is a great problem of extortion going on where the gang members will approach a business person, a wealthy person, a bus driver, a taxi, anybody that they feel that they can get money from and threaten their families. And so they will say to a person, if you don't pay us this monthly tax, then we will kill your son, daughter, mother, whoever it happens to be. And they will follow through with it. And so I, I think there are a lot of families who in desperation are trying to get their, their children out of that situation, partly to protect them from from that, but also to get them out of that situation and get them to a better place. And you were saying that they have an expectation down there that when these kids make it across the border, they will have a job and food and they will have an easier life. Oh, absolutely. At least an easier life than they have now. I mean, just like here, jobs down there are very scarce. And when you have a very limited education or no education at all, your options are even more limited. And so they have this idea that if they can come to the States, they're going to be able to find a job in construction or, you know, whatever the typical jobs are for illegal immigrants. And then they will make a lot more money than they did in Honduras and be able to support their family from a distance. Wow. Well, we'll keep praying about that and trust that some way and somehow the Honduran government will find a way to take control over these gangs and the corruption why don't you tell us about some of the positive things that have happened while reaching out to the community? Well, being with the program in the local church, we have a lot of needs that are identified on a daily basis, really. And so some of the things that we're able to do for these families is provide medical care. We have a doctor and a nurse that come every Saturday and see the children. Um, if they need something more extensive, we pay 90% of the cost for them to receive medical care, uh, prescriptions if they need those, because most of these families will not get medical care Otherwise, they don't have the funds to do that. Even though it's inexpensive, they need that money for food. There are many families that don't even have the food that they need to eat. And so sometimes a, a mother will come to me. We had one just a few months ago who came to me and shared that her husband, who was the pro provider of the family, 
was shot and was in the hospital in the capital city about an hour away, and they had no other means to to get food. And so we were able to buy some uh, food provisions for them and supply the family for a couple of months with the food that they needed until they were able to get other sources of food. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and financial support. We continue to remind people that we can't be on the air without their faithful prayers and their gifts to sustain this ministry. This month, we're giving away a wonderful booklet entitled Procrastination, written by June Hunt, who is a biblical counselor with the award-winning radio program, Hope for the Heart. This is a wonderful little booklet Preventing the Decay of Delay, it says. If you are plagued with procrastination, with God's help, you can rearrange your priorities and complete your task on time. This booklet can be a guide of biblical principles for good time management. Be sure you can defeat procrastination, finish tasks on time, and enjoy the process. Please write to receive your free booklet To get your copy, you can write Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to ask for your copy of Procrastination. Comes to me, to me with rest.
Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco, and it's entitled, Following Paul's Thanksgiving Example. Printed copies are available upon request. Today is Thanksgiving Sunday, a special day set aside to remember God's multiplied blessings to us. Surely it's fitting that we pause in our busy lives and reflect on God's greatness and goodness. Our topic for today is Following Paul's Thanksgiving Example. The Lord in his wisdom and power chose the Apostle Paul, a leading intellectual of his day, not only to preach the gospel in established churches, but also to pass on in written form God's word. The Holy Spirit of God moved Paul to write epistles or letters to believers and churches of his day. In these letters, Paul expounded or enlarged on God's purposes and the believer's responsibilities. They form a part of the absolute inspired scriptures, which are the foundation of truth for the believer called the Bible. Paul's teaching, then, is is of extreme importance to all of us, and we can follow his example with complete confidence. Let us then examine from scripture some of Paul's teaching and example in regard to thanksgiving. First, we see that Paul was thankful to God. In Romans 1 and 8, Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Romans 7:25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 1 and 4, I thank my God always on your behalf. These and many, many other references show that Paul's gratitude was to God and was not limited to any special day in the year. But for him, thanksgiving was a way of life. He was not ashamed to acknowledge God in his life, and he was not ashamed to express gratitude to God. I wonder if we are following his example in acknowledging God and expressing our gratitude. M. E. Burkett, writing writing in the Gospel Herald, observed an interesting scene, and he wrote, quote, One day there was a little puddle by the roadside. Some small brown birds gathered around it and took turns hopping in for a great time of splashing. Then they flew up into some bushes nearby and sang gaily, as though pouring out their thanks for the cool bath that they had found on a hot, dusty day. Birds and animals seem to enjoy uh, and express gratitude for little blessings that come their way, a cool drink, some food, a little shade, or some shelter. Don't they rather shame us humans who have so much, but take it all for granted?" Yes, it is shameful that we often are so slow to give gratitude to God. The Apostle Paul was a great example of thanksgiving, expressing his gratefulness to God regularly and often. The reason for his life of gratitude began in Acts 9, where he met the Lord Jesus Christ in a special way. You may recall that Paul was on his way to Damascus when he saw a great light from heaven. God spoke to him concerning his sinfulness and the persecution of believers. That day, that bigoted, self-righteous religious man was thoroughly converted. He found forgiveness for all his sins. So grateful was Paul for God's abundant mercy to him 
that he gave the remaining days of his life to spreading the gospel. And that gospel simply was that God loves us and sent Christ to die for our sins, and that if we turn from our sinfulness to Christ, we can find forgiveness and acceptance with God. Listen to some of his words. God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 8. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9, and 13. These great words and many others that he wrote were inspired of God's Spirit to assure us of God's love, mercy, and forgiveness that is offered in Christ. What a great example Paul was of commitment, perseverance, and thanksgiving in trial and suffering. God worked in his life, changing him from a man of hatred and murder to one of graciousness, love, and gentleness. What a great work God did in his heart and life, and it all began when he was converted on that Damascus road. We may not have such a dramatic conversion as Paul, but if you've received Christ and desire to follow him, your experience is just as real, for the same Christ and the same gospel is as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. Paul's life is a great example of spiritual commitment and thanksgiving, and it continues to greatly impact our world in the form of the scriptures. Gratitude played a great part. If you've never come to Christ and thanked him for the forgiveness of your sins, what better time is there than this Thanksgiving Sunday? Let me urge you to open your heart today to Christ, invite him to forgive you, and thank him for paying the price of your sins on the cross. As you do this, God will come into your life by his Spirit, make you his child, and begin changing you, as 2 Corinthians 5:17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. The things of self and sin will begin to give way to the new things of God and His Spirit, and you will know the joy and peace of God in your heart and life. Gratitude to God will become a large part of your life, as it did in the Apostle Paul. Then, as we study Paul's writings, we learn of another common practice that he had. He gave thanks for fellow believers. Paul had been used of God to found many churches. He had a true shepherd's heart and cared for each one. He thanked God for the believers in each area. In Philippians 1 and 3 we read, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. To the Ephesians he wrote, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. To the Colossians he wrote, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Colossians 1 and 3. Some churches gave Paul a lot of trouble, yet he thanked God for them. The Corinthian church was a case in point. They questioned Paul's authority as an apostle. They ignored his teaching on holiness of life and so forth. But they had come to Christ out of lives of wickedness, and imperfect as they were, Paul thanked God for them, saying in 1 Corinthians 1 and 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. 
Paul's encouraging word and ministry helped the Corinthians to come and follow Christ and that more closely. Paul even thanked God for believers he had never seen. Paul had not visited Rome, but a church existed there, started perhaps by believers who had been converted under his ministry elsewhere and then moved there. Paul cared for them and wrote Romans 1 and 8, First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, and that without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayers. We recently visited a church here in the city. In their bulletin, they regularly list churches and pastors of other denominations. Their people are encouraged to pray for these. This is certainly following the example of Paul. What if all believers did this instead of petty bickering and the spirit of competition that often exists between churches, the world would see believers respecting each other and caring for one another. We might then experience the words of Jesus who said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. John 13:35. All truly born-again believers are spiritual family. Instead of being jealous over the success of other churches, let us follow Paul's example and thank God for them and help them by prayer and encouragement. Perhaps then some of the blessing may even spill over into our own church. That would be a special joy. Then thirdly, as we search the scriptures, we see that Paul gave thanks to God in difficult circumstances. Most of us can be thankful when things are going well and all is sunshine and roses. But when difficult times come, how different it is. Paul was thankful to God when things were not going well. We previously mentioned Paul's thankfulness from Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. These books, along with the book of Philemon, have been called the prison epistles, for Paul wrote them while a prisoner of Rome. So Paul was in prison with all that that implies, shackled to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, yet he gave thanks to God. Now, we all know that that is not easy to do. It takes faith and confidence in God, that God will work everything out in the end for his own glory and for our good. A good example of this working out is found in Acts 16, where Paul was preaching the gospel in Philippi. A woman possessed of a spirit of divination, verse 16 says, and who made her masters much gain by her soothsaying, was delivered from her bondage by the apostle Paul. Her masters, seeing that she could no longer work for them, inspired a great crowd against Paul, and verse 19 says, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them to the marketplace, where they accused them of troubling the city. Verse 22 says, the multitude rose up against them. The magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them and cast them into prison. Verse 25 reads, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Then the rest of the story. An earthquake took place, the jailer was converted, and when the magistrates learned that Paul was a Roman and they had illegally beaten him without due process, they came publicly to Paul and Silas and apologetically ushered them out of jail. The apostle was exonerated and publicly respected. A church was founded, and the gospel furthered 
all through the trials and sufferings of God's servants. May we learn from Paul's example and follow his admonition in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There are other examples of Paul giving thanks, such as before eating in Acts 27.35. So, to say a blessing before eating a meal is a good and proper thing. It humbles us and reminds us of God, who is our ultimate benefactor. Paul then thanked God for the Lord Jesus Christ, in the words of 2 Corinthians 9 and 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. The gift of God's Son, who would come and die for man's sin, is beyond the power of words to describe, and so Paul says it's unspeakable. Then Paul gives thanks for the wonderful prospect of the Christian. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Paul says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even then the finality of death will ultimately give way to victory for believers. For in Christ, believers will be resurrected unto eternal life. What a happy and comforting prospect we as believers share. Let us then follow Paul's example and thank God today for his great love, for his forgiveness. Let us thank God for fellow believers and encourage them by prayer. Then let us thank God for gifts of food and all that we enjoy, and then for the wonderful prospect of resurrection in Christ unto eternal life. If you do, it will make this Thanksgiving Sunday a wonderful and special Thanksgiving day. I trust that the message you just heard will be a great blessing. Truths that were shared today can be applied to your lives this week. We at Canada's National Bible Hour are always concerned about those who may be listening but don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And of course, the scriptures are very clear. It is not one of us that deserves to be in God's presence. There is no way to get to God unless God would do something for us, and he did. He sent the best gift, the Lord Jesus, as he was obedient and became a man-babe in the manger, lived a sinless life with the whole goal of going to the cross one day and bearing the sins of the world. He thought about you. He bore our sins in his body as he hung there on the tree that day. So the Bible says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you trust God to forgive you from your sins, to have a relationship with him, God will receive you. God will save you. Receiving him, accepting him, gave you the right to become a child of God. Don't forget to write for this month's copy of Procrastination
by June Hunt, a wonderful little booklet. If you are plagued with procrastination, with God's help, you can rearrange your priorities and complete your task on time. I know this booklet will be a great encouragement to you. Please write Canadian National Bible Hour, 1210 St. Catherine, Ontario, L2R7A7, or United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Remember, you can also hear past messages of this broadcast on our website at www.missiongo.org. We are now offering an internet radio broadcast on your mobile device. Don't forget to remember us in your prayers. So we want to thank you in advance for what you will do for us and help us do what we do in getting the gospel around the globe. God bless.